Clark Elman of asacredjourney.net. I'm a spiritual director, facilitator, and guide, and you're listening to Pilgrim Podcast, a show exploring spirituality and intention in travels and daily life and what it means to live like a pilgrim at home and abroad. Are you planning a pilgrimage? This episode is brought to you by Journey Guide, a step-by-step travel companion for your pilgrimage of a lifetime. Journey Guide is a multimedia travel resource infused with soul, including guides and writing prompts for each stage of the journey, worksheets and resources to go deeper, interviews with seasoned pilgrims, and more. Learn more about how Journey Guide can enhance your next pilgrimage at asacredjourney.net. So welcome back to another episode of Pilgrim Podcast. Today I am talking with Ryan Moore, who is a pilgrim therapist and spiritual director based in San Francisco, California. And you can find his musings on pilgrimage and his accounts of all of his travels at his website, farfromhome.co. Hi, Ryan. Thank you so much for coming on. Hey, Lacey. Good to be here. I know uh, we, like many, I guess, many guests went to school with me at the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. It's a good pool to draw from for these themes. But um, we connected initially over pilgrimage, I think, as well, many, many years ago. Yeah, we sure did. I saw what you were doing and had to talk to you. <laughs> had to. The desire of a pilgrim. Exactly. Well, and it, not long after, because we graduated in the same year. I did a bit of traveling and then you went out. You upped me on a, a never-ending journey of your own. <laughs> yeah, it feels like that, yeah. Well, yeah, I suppose you came back, but you're always jetting off, which is what we're going to talk about today. I know I look on in admiration at all of your travel skills and uh, wisdom, too, that comes from your experience as a therapist and spiritual director. And so I'm looking forward to having you sharing with our audience many ways that they can make their dreams of pilgrimage a reality. Yeah, I'm excited to, uh, to share some of that. Oh, good. Well, I'd love to start first by having you share a bit about your spiritual journey and perhaps what brought you to this desire for pilgrimage and where you are today. Yeah, thanks. Um, you know, the question of spiritual journey, it's always a little hard to put words around that for me because it's so both big and also like close to my heart. Hmm. But I guess my quick overview is I, my parents were sort of this little denomination related to Mennonites and had a very big social justice and kind of service orientation to their faith when I was young, but then they, they split up when I was like pretty young elementary school age. And really for the next all through high school or up until high school, I didn't go to church at all and would have said I wasn't religious at all and didn't believe in God. So, um, then in high school and into college, I kind of rediscovered my faith or, or maybe discovered it for the first time, but had some, had some experience from my family there. And I think one of the things that they, they, my parents, instilled in me, which does relate to my travels and pilgrimages, they had like a, they'd spent a few years serving with this, which called the Church of the Brethren in uh, Bangladesh back in the 70s. Mm. And they were working um, in farming and agronomy and, and helping folks there create more sustainable crops that could withstand flood. And my mom, it's a very, you know, still 
very Muslim country, so it has very traditional gender roles. So my mom would help the women in terms of how to cook with the new foods and stuff. So I always had this, I'd heard about their travels and had this sense of a world out there that was big and beautiful and worth exploring and a curiosity about other cultures. So I think that that has influenced my view of the world still. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and whenever we were connecting about pilgrimage, as I said, you were about to set off on, you know, a multi, multi-stop journey. Um, so I'd love for you to share all of those because I know you certainly set out to those destinations, many of them traditional pilgrim destinations with the practice of pilgrimage in mind. But did you have any travel experiences before that that you viewed as pilgrimage or looking back that you would frame it as a meaningful journey similar to pilgrimage? You know, before that longer trip, and even as I was leaving on that longer trip, I didn't really have the language of pilgrimage yet. I mean, I guess I had been introduced to it from you and also from Tom Cashman with the Celtic spirituality class that we took. But I don't know even how much it really dawned on me that it was pilgrimage until I was kind of in the midst of it. Mm. So looking, so before that, I, yeah, I guess it gets into like how you, how we define pilgrimage versus travel. Well, let's start there then. Yeah. I guess the ones that do come to mind for me were some of my backpacking trips that I did that I think one of the things of, I guess, how I've come to define it is that there is something sort of at core that, that at least I'm seeking that wants some sort of experience of, of God, of the divine, of, of some clarity that maybe I, I can't find in my normal life. Hmm. So opposed to like just going to a city and hanging out and going, you know, around and eating and seeing museums, there's something about pilgrimage that for me, there's sort of more of a, an inner intention. And I think that's why I put some of my, my backpacking experiences where I did, I did a, a hike around Mount Rainier and then I did the John Muir trail, which were both kind of week to three week long trips. And there was just a sense that I always loved that the natural beauty and it's a place of peace for me and a place of connection to God. So mm. yeah, I think those would qualify, but, um, certainly traveled before, but yeah, I think the pilgrimage thing was kind of new to me at that point. Yeah. So it seems like part of the definition of pilgrimage and what makes it more distinct for you from tourism is the intention of connect, a deeper connection uh, with self, with God. Yeah, exactly. I always like the, this is from the Art of Pilgrimage, but Richard Niebuhr quote, mm. I think this is still the one that encompasses it for me, maybe the most succinctly, is um, pilgrims are persons in motion, passing through territories not their own, seeking something we might call completion, or perhaps the word clarity will do as well, a goal to which only the spirit's compass points the way. Hmm. Well, I think you might have even read that too, when you had your kind of a departure gathering before you were setting yeah, up. Yeah, you might be right. Well, tell us a bit about those travels. And I'd like for you to share too, because you said it, it wasn't until maybe you were on the journey where you realized like, this is, pil what, what was that shift? If you could even put it into words. Yeah. So the, the bigger trip that I'm referencing, I, um, 
I had just gotten curious about these different communities was sort of the starting point that I wanted to check out. And this was, again, partly from the Celtic spirituality class. So I went to Iona, which I know your listeners are very familiar with. And then also Lindisfarne over on the other coast, which is another big Celtic Christian center. Well, and you participated in like not only visiting it, but it was like within a pilgrimage because that was Holy Week, right? Yeah, that's right. So my sister and I actually, we did a walk together during Holy Week that ended on on um, Good Friday walk over to Lindisfarne and then we celebrated Easter there on the island. So it's great. Yeah. Isn't it like the water lowers like at one time during each day? It's an island. Yeah. It's this beautiful, beautiful island that's about a mile off the coast. And so it's a sort of a tidal island. And when the water comes out, there's actually a road, a paved road that is just on the mud and cars can drive across it. But at that point, you know, we would time it with the tides. And as all of us pilgrims met up together, there's like five different groups that had gone different lengths during the Holy Week. We all met up together with some other folks that just came for the weekend and all walked across together barefoot across the tidal flats over to Lindisfarne. Um, and then the tide comes back and it's an island for until it's tide again. You're sealed. Yeah, exactly. It's a very interesting rhythm of sort of seclusion and then engagement with the world and that back and forth. It's almost, yeah, passage into that, what, you know, Joseph Campbell refers to as the special world. Yeah. Uh, where, where journeys take place. Transformation occurs, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, I walked the Camino. My sister and I, well, actually, no, my sister had departed. She did it later. Uh-huh. Um, she, but I met up with some friends. We did the Camino through Spain, the most sort of traditional route, the Frances route. for. And how, how long were you, you doing that for? Yeah, we, we did that for four weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lots of stories there, of course. A great, classic, amazing journey. And then I worked my way over to Tizé mm-hmm. and in France, monastery there. Yeah. Well known for it. Well, I guess in, in the U.S. well known for its music mostly. But I think what I discovered while I was there and you might have too is, it, I mean, it's very much focused on young adults as well. There was, it was a French half term. <laughs> When we were there, so there was a lot of French teenagers. Yeah, it's like ninety uh, percent, at least, of people under thirty. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, it's an interesting mix. I always describe it as sort of like summer camp, but with like a hundred white mo- white robed monks. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe my kind of summer camp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and then from there, I. I worked my way through, uh, well, I guess I, the other place to mention is Labrie, mm. um, up in the Swiss Alps, which was um, Francis Schaeffer's place back in the 60s and 70s, that now is a Christian community where people come and can stay for a semester or just even just a few days, actually, we stayed. I was there about two, or actually three weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then from there, I think to kind of get back to your question in terms of when it became a pilgrimage, like it started sort of with this curiosity that I don't think was totally coalesced into like, I am going on a pilgrimage. But then I found myself going to these very classic pilgrimage places like Iona and Tizé and doing the Camino. And then I, then I started and I was reading that the art of pilgrimage by Philip Kuzno 
and it really just the whole description of that Joseph Campbell idea of a transformative journey just really resonated with me. And suddenly I found myself saying, well, I guess I'm a pilgrim. And, and I think that all along there that I did connect with that idea of seeking something of clarity, seeking something of how do I refine what my call is in the world in terms of vocationally. And then also how do I just be open to who I understand God to be and open to that being changed. And I guess actually not even just change, but really wanting to have that direct encounter with God. Yeah. Well, and I know that that theme has then continued almost as if it became like a new lens for you, that the theme of pilgrimage has continued, especially in your work, your writing and um, you're meeting one-on-one with people who want to craft pilgrimages and also your travel as well, because for a while there, it seemed like every time I saw you post something on social media, it was about another jaunt. You did, did some hiking through Asia, mm-hmm. et cetera. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, I think it's a really powerful, it's a powerful lens to view our spiritual transformation, right? Pilgrimage, like whether we're at home or we're traveling. And I really, you know, I, I hope we'll get to this later, but I think it's really one of the best ways to travel. I really think that. Well, tell me now. Why? Okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I know, Don't keep us though. hanging. Because <laughs> I agree, but I want you to convince others. <laughs> I think because a few reasons. You know, I think partially this is really practical and non, maybe non-spiritual, but it actually is nice to have a goal I, I found when you travel. I mean, there's certainly nothing wrong with a vacation. And sometimes I've been there like, hey, let's just go sit on a beach for a week. Yeah, like vacate. Yeah, exactly. But at a certain point, there's something that's, that is really nice. Like I picture like a magnet, right? Like there's, it's all of a sudden it draws you and you have a reason to be somewhere. And there's a sense of accomplishment. Like when I, when I use the word pilgrimage too, I, I often kind of break it into two different categories in my mind and it's maybe worth mentioning that, but I've done, an, I have a real love for these walking pilgrimages. Mm-hmm. You're going to do the Camino and walk for a month or there's sections of the Camino in France, or there's, I guess I would put my backpacking into a walking Camino or a walking pilgrimage. Well, and like the ones you mentioned, John Muir, um, the Wonderland Trail around Mount Rainier. Yep. And then there's ones that would be like Taze, right? Iona. Destinations. Destinations that you that you're drawn to that place because of it's sort of a thin place or it has a certain history or or maybe just a community that you're interested in. But um I sort of lost my train of thought where I was going before that. Why pilgrimage is the best way to travel. Yeah. So sometimes just the goal, right? Like I think that, you know, all of those places are fairly, not all, yeah, most all of them are fairly remote. Like there's no real good reason to go all the way out to the west coast of Scotland. Yeah, they're not major cities that you're just flying right into. Yeah. Or I think about the walking pilgrimages through different parts of France and Spain and, you know, going through Nepal and Switzerland and some other spots. Like you're going through these, it's just such a wonderful way to experience a country and a culture and you're walking through these little towns and fields and cities 
that you really, you have no other reason. You would never, ever go there mm. except for the pilgrimage, right? Yeah. Like you're going towards a place. So now you have a reason to go through this place. Mm-hmm. So I love that aspect of it. And I also think people tend to treat pilgrims a little bit differently than like a tourist. Mm-hmm. They're a little bit more friendly and open. Yeah. I imagine you especially felt that on the Camino. Yeah. Since you're well known as a pilgrim there. Yes. The Camino is interesting because parts of the Camino have gotten so busy that I think it, you actually have started a little bit of that. Uh-huh. Although I, I did the, the Camino Primitivo last fall, and that's like a, a less traveled part of the Camino. And I did find that true there. I also think of um, through Wales, I did a bit of a few days of walking mm. in Wales on this northern uh, Wales pilgrimage route. And it was just, there's this wonderful man who just welcomes my girlfriend and I were walking and he opened up this church that he was sort of a guardian for and had us in for tea and showed us around and wow. filled up our water bottles. And we just had this like really fun counter and we ended up writing him a letter and sent him a photo, you know, later. Yeah. Things like that where people are so excited to get to talk to you coming from another place and then also show you a little bit about, you know, their town and their story. Well, and I imagine too, in the same way, and that I'm sure that can be illustrated in that story you just shared that just as you might be treated differently as a pilgrim, when you go with the intention of being a pilgrim, you treat others differently or your surroundings differently, even how you pack differently or where you stay differently. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's less, a little bit less for me sense of I need to maybe maximize the pleasure in every day. Mm. (laughs) You know, planning a a trip to a city or on a vacation, there's a little bit of like, how do I be like, make sure I go to the, the right restaurant? Yeah, we're here. Let's do it. Yeah. And on pilgrimage, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, um, because there's that, that everyday goal of, at least when you're on a walking pilgrimage, it's more about just being open to whatever the day brings you. Mm. And sometimes that means you're, you know, eating a very simple sandwich in the middle, you know, on a bench somewhere, or it could be, you end up finding like a great pub or you run into someone who invites you into their home, you know, like it's, you can't plan it out quite as much. Mm-hmm. And I, I enjoy that. I think it creates a sense of drawing you into being really present to the moment mm. and open to at any point there is this kind of magical or spiritual inbreaking of just the serendipity of who you might meet or where you might end up. Yeah. And those moments of synchronicity mm-hmm. where out of nowhere things align. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I I know too, and you know, I think that was even the first thing you mentioned about where the best place to eat is or this or that. I know that that has long been a value of yours in seeking out and sharing and that over the years since this, you know, longer travel experience that you've been become an expert in travel hacking, which is, I mean, I guess you, you, you say what that is. But I, what I'm curious, too, is if you're still approaching those, maybe not, you know, as intentional pilgrimages, but in the spirit of the pilgrim. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So, um, yeah. So the travel hacking is, I guess, kind of born out of just my insatiable love of traveling. Like, how can I figure out how to do this as much as I can? Yeah. So I guess how I would define travel hacking is just, you know, I've kind of acquainted myself enough with some of the different ways to get cheap airline tickets. <laughs> and part of it's like jumping into the world of frequent flyer miles and credit card bonuses. And, and you know, you can get a lot of free travel that way. Mm -hmm. And just things you pick up over time, but I'm sure you've picked up a lot yourself. Mm. Things like, you know, if you're in, if you're going to Europe, they tend to open up their cheap tickets like 90 days ahead of time mm. and you can get those more, you know, cheaper spots. Whereas if you wait to book right in the last minute, you're not going to get. So yeah, it's kind of everything's under that, um, that umbrella. Mm. Yeah. And I think that, you know, one of the, one of the questions that we were kicking around was like, you know, the, do I approach every trip like a pilgrimage? And that one kind of got me thinking. Hmm. And I think I am, that is something that I, I feel like I have been able to cultivate and has changed the way I travel just based on kind of what we were talking about where I didn't used to do it like this is I think that even, even when I'm just planning a vacation and not an official pilgrimage, I think I am always, there's like an openness that I try to foster and also a sense of being really, really present. Yeah, that even here, you can have those connections if you are available. Uh-huh. Yeah, whether it's maybe someone I might meet, a little chat you have with a person you never would ever meet before, or sometimes it's just as simple as noticing my surroundings. And there's something about travel that's I really enjoy about that like being in a new place and just noticing like how are the buildings different? What do the signs look like? What are people, how are people getting around or traveling or just relating to each other? And it's things that I feel much like I'm just my eyes and my ears and my taste buds are all open mm. in a way that unfortunately I'm not always able to approach at home. Yeah. What is it? Do you think about travel that allows us to do that? Yeah. I think that just, the newness of a place, mm -hmm. you, you, things that we take for granted in our normal lives, all of a sudden they just are different. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're kind of, I think in some ways forced to yeah. notice in a way you haven't. And I think that's one thing that I would, I would sort of say, encourage people to embrace rather than fight. And maybe there's not a whole lot of choice in that at times, but it can be, you know, pilgrimage can be very uncomfortable, mm. right? Like traveling, the root of traveling is to travail, I believe, was like mm, mm -hmm. meaning. So there's a there's a travail that isn't necessarily, I don't think it's something to avoid, but maybe just embrace like you are. You are out of your comfort zone. Yeah. You are in a place that has a different language and different food and different customs. Like you are a, like a foreign person. And rather than something to try to avoid or not stick out. Like, I guess I've come to really, really relish those moments. Mm -hmm. Because for one, it helps me to relate to people that are outsiders. Yeah. Like that's, that's a huge thing that I've, I've increased empathy in, I think from traveling and pilgrimage, but also like, yeah, there's a, because we're outsiders or in a foreign place, I think that we are by nature, like noticing things that are different 
that if we were a local in that culture, we wouldn't notice, right? Just like if we were in our, when we're in our own culture, there's things we don't notice. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like your pilgrimage turned you into a pilgrim. And now, you know, no matter where you are, you come at it from the experience of a pilgrim. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. Well, I know many people are becoming more and more drawn to pilgrimage, especially the Camino. I feel like I ask at the end, and I'll ask you the same question, you know, what, where if you were going on pilgrimage, like where would you go? And I feel like 80% of people have said the Camino. Mm, is that right? Yeah. But I'd love to know how, um, you know, with your travel hacking and, you know, skills to travel on a budget, how, how could someone who, you know, wants to go on pilgrimage, but feels like it's not a possibility for them because of the expense, what, what tips would you have for those who want to do that, but are afraid to take that next step? And I guess this also gets into you know, we're talking about the exterior journey and the practicalities of it, but it gets into that interior journey too of, you know, that longing to go to pilgrimage, you know, is a call to journey in a way, mm -hmm. whether that's an external journey or an internal one, it's a call to move beyond where you are. And so, yeah, what does it mean to be faithful to that? And how can someone turn that into a pilgrimage? Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly where I would start actually is even though it's an outward question, mm. it seems seemingly right. Like mm -hmm. how do I pay for this? I really think that the first step is you have to get clear inwardly, like make space to listen. Yeah. I've always thought it's fascinating. Like the, the biblical understanding of obedience. I think it's the same word as listen mm. and Obedience, it just sounds like such a heavy religious kind of word that's burdensome, but it's really just like to listen and actually that it, there's a lot of freedom there. And I think that can be, you know, if, if you're in a place that that's listening to God, listening to the, the spirit, the divine, listen, mm. but also it's a practice of listening to ourselves. And I, I still, you know, really try to take, I think that's actually a hard thing for me still, um, just personally is that how do I get quiet enough to really listen to say, okay, where, what's really calling me or drawing me? Like, what do I, mm -hmm. somebody's even, what do I need right now? And, and this is speaking from like, okay, I want to go on another pilgrimage. Like I'm almost like <laughs> can go check them off. It's almost like become a, a rhythm for me a practice, but it's like, do I, do I need to just walk? Do I need to get out and use my body and walk and be in nature? That's a way of like me listening. Or is it a, you know, I just really need some quiet and silence or maybe something like a taze where it's just to be in a place or one category for me is like community. Maybe I need to experience a community and be renewed in that way. Yeah. A life giving energy surrounding you. Exactly. So there's that sense of listening. And I really think that once, if we want to use a language of call or listening, a listening obedience, mm. then maybe there's some way to, to make it happen. Like I think that once that, that intention is really clear, mm -hmm. I really think that this isn't to say money's not a real challenge because it totally is, but there is a way. 
Mm-hmm. And it's often when money is at least for those of us that are coming from the privileged land where we can even think about doing a pilgrimage or traveling. Mm-hmm. It is a priority thing. I think about this in my work as a therapist too, right? Like, yes, it costs money to go to therapy, but we also spend money on so many things. Mm-hmm. So how do we prioritize that sort of what's deepest within us? Yeah. And I think that pilgrimage and travel do require money. I think it doesn't, you know, we don't do anybody any service to say, hey, this isn't expensive. Like, no, it is. You can spend, it will probably cost you to go walk the Camino, I don't know, $1,500, right? Mm-hmm. Just, I'm kind of ballparking that at very minimum. Like, it could cost you more. But that's money well spent. And there are other things that we spend that money on. So, yeah. Well, and I know oftentimes they say too that, um, you know, when you invest in something, like, it is a soul investment mm-hmm. that there's a part of you in it. And so, and I, and I know many people who have also used uh, sites like GoFundMe or something like that to raise money for these journeys. Exactly. And I think there's something, a sacrifice there that, yeah, that like, I don't know, some sort of ancient <laughs> ritual, mm-hmm. sacrificial way bonds you to. Yeah. Your intention. People have been taking costly journeys for a long time. And, and maybe that didn't always mean spending the same amount of dollars. But I think it's always been a costly thing to embark on a journey. There's always a cost to saying goodbye. Yeah. To missing the time away um, and wondering if people will remember us or what life will be like when we return. Yeah. Well, and to leaving your normal. Who you are behind with the hope that you will be changed, transformed when you return. And I think that can be like a communal, like if it's something you can share with your community. And I think raising money is, is really a valid option, mm-hmm. especially when it's framed in the, the sense of yeah. caring for your soul and discovering something about the world and who you are. Yeah. Well, I know that's part of, you know, Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey which we both referred to earlier is that, and you know, even if you're not familiar with that, you've seen it in all of your favorite films and stories that once the hero conquers Mm -hmm. the dragon, so to speak, there's something to bring home. The journey is on behalf, even though the hero is changed, the journey is on behalf of the world. Mm -hmm. And so it is communal, even if you're traveling alone. Yep. Yeah, I think it does enrich our communities at home. And and I think our world needs us to travel, actually. I really do think that. that and, and that can be within our own cities and communities to cross into the cross cultures. Yeah. You know, places that we aren't, aren't always at or don't always, maybe we are outsiders even within our own communities. Mm. But I think that there's something just so powerful about going to a place with all of our preconceived notions of what that is and who lives there and what they think. And then to meet people in person, it's, it's, uh, it's such a wonderful thing about the, the world and travel. I think. Well, and I love to what you were saying about kind of your process of discernment and how you said you've gotten to know yourself after a while that, you know, maybe this desire to wander, you need to just get out and walk somewhere mm-hmm. or you need to get out in nature. I imagine could be one, or you said, Yep. Silence, you know, 
or in community that these are all things that you can plan a pilgrimage and pursue. And those are all things that you can pursue in everyday life as well. And that seems to be what it means to be a pilgrim, not just one on pilgrimage, but a pilgrim is to Mm -hmm. seek that out in everyday life to know, know your agency, I suppose. No, that's a good point. Absolutely. To listen to where you're at right now. And it doesn't mean going out of the country necessarily, but what are the the pilgrimage or the spiritual rhythms that you can incorporate now? Yeah. It makes me think like, you know, in terms of really practical things, like how do we, so there's, we've been talking about the inner part of money and journey and, and how that does tap into so many inward, really very important things, I think, to engage, but there is the outward, right? So, okay, so how do we afford this and what are our options? And it, one of them that comes to mind for me is that, well, you know, some of it is look for the opportunities around your whole, your house where you live, mm. that they are actual pilgrimage experiences. So for instance, Taze often does traveling. They do these sort of traveling, <laughs> I don't know what they call them, but they go around and do sort of uh, events around the country and they come to the U.S. once in a while. I think they call them like pilgrimage of trust. Or... Yeah, there you go. See, the pilgrimages officially. And there, I know there's one coming to San Francisco just in a couple of weeks like $40 to stay the night and mm. at this retreat center and go to some Teze services and meet a couple of the brothers and get to meet some other pilgrims right around our homes. Are you going? I'm going for sure. Yeah. <laughs> everyone I can <laughs> bring along. So. Or there's a great, there's a couple of monasteries close to here, right? That I try to get away to. And even if it's just for a night or two that kind of give me that silence or maybe it's going on a, on a hike for me a day hike or a, a weekend backpacking trip gives me a little dose of the the walking pilgrimage, even when I can't go all the way to Spain or something. Yeah. Well, it seems like whether it was your trip in Spain or like you said, that dose, it's these experiences that take you beyond your everyday that allow you to touch space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just that closeness, a thin place almost internally. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. There's, I guess another one that has become really important for me in the like conversation of how do we be pilgrims at home is finding those thin places. Some of them are like, there's this, I'm not practicing Orthodox, but I, their churches are, I think really, really beautiful. And there's a awesome cathedral here in San Francisco. It's a famous one that you go inside of it and it looks like the Orthodox cathedrals I went into when I was in Eastern Europe. Yeah. And all of a sudden I'm just for a second somewhere else. Like I'm not in, in America. And I, and I think I've, so that's one example of that. And then I think just from a cultural standpoint, I really value putting myself at home in places that I'm like the outsider and going and finding places like that I'm, okay, now I'm, I go from, I'm the white man, like dominant culture to a place where I'm now a guest in someone else's culture. And I try to enter that really gently and respectfully, but just to kind of remind myself, like, this is the world, like. It's not just this like white middle class world. It's the norm. I think that's at least I think what's so much in our atmosphere in America. But it is a place that is full of all sorts of different people and cultures that I really love. But I have to like physically take myself and put myself in those places. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's such a great place for people to start whenever they feel that um, longing for pilgrimage and you know, don't know how to begin or where to begin. Reminds me of that David White poem where he says, start close in. I think that's even what the poem Mm -hmm. is called. 
And then maybe in the distant future when they are able to plan a journey. Mm -hmm. Well, let me get your opinion on this. Because I know we've been talking about like needing to travel on a budget for practical reasons. But I guess I kind of just feel like that helps initiate the pilgrim too. You know, and that I guess. Yeah. There could be a case out there for staying at a five-star hotel and, you know, but it it is about immersing yourself in culture and getting away from your daily comforts. And so I think those, you know, certainly for the wallet, it's great to find a good deal on a flight, but even packing light and, you know, eating more locally or staying in um, smaller smaller places or, you know, things like that are public transportation. I think all of those, while, you know, being cheaper can also influence the pilgrim's experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I a hundred percent agree. I don't, I think you said it very well, but yes, get out of the, the big box hotels that look the same, no matter if you're in Paris or Des Moines or something, you know, or I think public transit is great. Yes. Like, you know, I think that there's even a way in which, again, it's a way, it's a place to practice awareness, like just looking around who's around you. This is their normal life for the people that we're riding public transit with. And I just love, I love getting right into the thick of it in a new place because it gives me such a better sense of, okay, this is who's here and compared to being in a taxi, right? And I'm, you know, nothing necessarily groundbreaking about this perspective but you know it's like there's the, always the touristy places in a city mm. that a lot of times you feel like you you know have to go see and and whatever go walk through but i love getting off the main drags for that reason too yeah because like i think that the the touristy places tend to cater it's it just becomes a little more generic i think people are catering to sort of anybody <laughs> that they can get versus when you get out of those main drags like you're you're living, you're seeing what is particular and special about a place that just is like their normal life. And it's less expensive. And I think like the food's usually better. I love to just get a little slice of, of normal everyday life. So I try to get off into the everyday parts of the city as much as I can. Yeah. That almost seems like it'd be a part of your pilgrimage rule of life. Yeah. Live like a local for a day. Or something. So you, I guess, tell us a bit about the pilgrimage consultations you do. And then, then I'd love to know, you know, if someone were coming to you Mm -hmm. who is interested on pilgrimage, but doesn't know where to begin, where you would lead the conversation. Yes. The pilgrimage consultations, I kind of, I guess would start it a little bit like we had already started to talk about, like, just helping someone listen and parse through some of what their longings that are already stirring within them. I find that it's always helpful to have that like before a pilgrimage, during a pilgrimage, and then after a pilgrimage, like re-entry. So that's kind of how I, I frame it to just be that, that extra listening ear to just clarify and reflect and give a, a place to explore those questions. There is like a practical element that I try to bring just that I certainly there's tons of more places I would like to go. But um, having gone to some of these places, 
can kind of help maybe provide some options some, some, as I'm listening, like, okay, here are the values. Here's what they're seeking. Here's a few places. Have you considered? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like, I guess in terms of where to start, and this is, you know, one, one kind of last really practical tip in terms of how are we going to afford pilgrimage mm. is I guess two things I want to make sure I, I get, get in still is, um, one of them is I really am a, like a big believer now and just like, don't buy anything. Like, I feel like we're so often because of our, often our anxieties, mm-hmm. but then we're so well advertised and marketed to that. It's like, I need to get the perfect backpack. I need to get the right clothes. I need to get all the tech stuff. And I'm really, you know, you pretty much could take whatever bag you carry your groceries home in or like your school books around. I mean, just like a backpack with two straps. That's really all you need. <laughs> uh-huh. And the clothes in your closet. I mean, I truly, I mean, there are a few, the only one essential I would say is like, if you're going to do something like the Camino, there's like a good pair of shoes that are comfortable and socks. But I think more and more my goal is like to help people really say like, here's what you don't need to worry about. Mm. These are the essentials. Like that's a place that in terms of an expense that can really add up. Yeah. We feel like we always have to get like the new or the best. So that's one thought to consider. Well, and that's interesting too, because yeah, I think that maybe exposes a habit, kind of like you said, always needing to get the latest thing is that like, mm-hmm. when Joseph Campbell talks about like the hero, you know, once you commit to the journey, there'll be all sorts of forces that try to stop you. And that, that feeling of, oh, I can only, I'll be a pilgrim when I have this or whenever all these things are in place or whatever. That probably often keeps us from the journey as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. There's the other thing that I would, I would put in there too, is that, you know, pilgrimage apart from being, I think, as we've been talking about, like such a way to get into a culture and experience a place and meet people is it's also like actually one of the less expensive ways to travel, mm. at least if you do it in a particular way. So for instance, I think of the Camino. Spain is basically one of the most inexpensive countries in Western Europe. And walking the Camino, you can stay in places that are just for pilgrims, right? And those are very inexpensive. I mean, I just, even just this last fall and fall of 2017, we were staying at albergues that were usually five to 10 euros a night and, you know, meals about the same. So it's hard to travel in Western Europe more cheaply than on the Camino. Wow. You're not spending money on anything else besides just your bed and food once you're there. I think of Taze, and also this is a great option for families too. Like there is the expense of getting over to France, so I'll grant you that. But once you're at Taze, I mean, it is dirt cheap. It's very simple. The food's very simple. Your, your living situation is simple. But it's a matter of, you know, 100 and when I was there a few years ago, it was like $150 a week for everything, room and board. Mm-hmm. The Northern Cross, the one that we, that we mentioned briefly before, the walk across Scotland, that was again, you know, we were just kind of, we'd bring a sleeping bag and a thermarest, but we were sleeping on people's church floors and people's homes. But it was like 300 pounds. So I don't know, I think it was 250 to 300 pounds. But anyway let's say $400, but that was for, again, all room and board for like the whole like 10 days or something. Yeah. So, um, there's still that pesky problem of like the airline ticket, Mm -hmm. but you know, you can either save up for that or do a little bit of research around 
the points and credit card miles. And, that, and that's something I guess very practically like I do help with on the pilgrimage consultation mm-hmm. is people that want to sort of figure that world out. Like I'm happy to have that conversation too. For these final questions, if you were going on pilgrimage, where would you want to go next? And I guess for you, since you've been many places, I'm curious to see if it's a place you'd like to go back to or if there's a new place on the horizon. Yeah. Love the question. One of those things where when you start doing pilgrimage, you just realize how many more interesting places there are to go to, right? So I think for me, if I do the walking pilgrimage and the destination pilgrimage, my next walking pilgrimage I really want to do is you can walk from Florence to Rome and you can also do a little like detour into Assisi. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd love to do that one. I mean, the Italian countryside and the, just the history of St. Francis and then on to Rome, like the eternal city, right? So yeah, on a path, probably Francis walked himself. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's much less, um, it's a little less clear, like there's not quite as much of a fixed path. It's kind of like a new thing they're promoting from yeah, what I've it's gathered. it's not as developed as the Kino in Spain, so it's mm-hmm. a little bit tougher to get really great information. But I know there's a recent guidebook, so it's possible. Yeah, and you just say Dove, wherever, which means like where is. Yeah, okay, see, I don't know. This is what you learn yet. whenever you're... <laughs> you just say bonjour. No? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then the other one is I, I really want to go to Jerusalem. I don't know why I always like forget about that one sort of, but as I'm playing my images, I'm like, I have to go to Jerusalem. It's like such a, it's an extremely historic and special place for so many major faiths. And now would you go on your own or would you go with a group? Yeah, I know there's some amazing tours. I, I know some people that have taken some guided tours to Jerusalem and, and the Holy Land recently that they really, really loved. I could see, definitely see the value in that. They're, the problem with those is, of course, they're a little more expensive. I guess I would personally try to tr- probably use a little bit of a hybrid. Like mm-hmm. I could get over there in terms of flights and then probably booking into places and then maybe look for a local guide to give me some. Yeah. So stay and eat where you want, but exactly. have that added experience for the specific site sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, mm. exactly. I like that. Or, or we'll just all have you lead us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm pilgrimage so to the Holy Land. I just have to go over there so I know what I'm doing first. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Of course. We'll just send you the money yeah. right now to test exactly. it out. <laughs> well, what journey are you on right now in your daily life? Yeah. So my current journey is on my just the journey to licensure for the licensed marriage and family, which I'm working on here in California. Mm. So right now I'm in this sort of funny phase as a therapist when you've got your master's degree, but you're still not, haven't taken your final test. Uh, so you have to accrue a bunch of hours and I'm just learning a lot about myself and what it means to be a therapist and how to negotiate all the, some ways the paperwork of jumping through those hoops. But I think it's a journey too of, for me, that's sort of the outward, the inward one for me Mm. in this regard is more around 
you know, a lot about what you're, you're really helping people with lately is like, how do I be a pilgrim and incorporate these things that I've learned on my pilgrimages into my daily life here? And there's a little quote that I, I came across I wanted to share that kind of sums it up for me. This is the very famous Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis. Mm. It says, okay, this is the quote, you may be able to change your place of residence, but that change will not make you better. If the chance to move should present itself and you decide to take it, know that you will again face the very same thing you are now trying to avoid and perhaps even more. Mm. And to me, that just speaks to how often, you know, the travel and pilgrimage, like there's sometimes the sense that somewhere out there we can find the peace. And it's not to say we don't discover, like we really do. Like I'm, both of us are huge believers in the real transformative power of pilgrimage. Yeah. But there's still the sense of, you know, it's the things that we feel that we're wrestling with in our daily lives that like, that is what we have to learn to confront yeah. at home too. Well, and the value of listening to those things that, oh, I almost think of like a beach ball or something, you know, you push it down in the water and it comes back up again. The things that keep, mm-hmm. you know, bobbing up, whether you take them on pilgrimage or stay at home, they're always invitations to engage in a journey. It's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Well, any final practices or practical tools for pilgrims? I know you've mentioned the art of pilgrimage, which is always my number one book for people beginning. You know, I always think the, the examine mm. is the Ignatian practice of examine is a, is a, a great one that helps with that, like inner listening. Yeah. It's one to check out. Mm. Definitely. And of course, your website, farfromhome.co, right? You got it. And we'll be sure to put a link as well to that. Great. Well, could you offer us a benediction as we close? Yeah, I'd love to. This is um, a poem I wrote that is about, yeah, kind of the pilgrim journey mm. and my experience, I guess, of God kind of in that untitled. When I explore this world, I feel your delight in these places you've made. All the cosmos, a letter of love, all our suffering, all our fear, all our striving, and all our hatred. Evidence, we have never known you, never stopped our fighting and our pontificating and our theologizing long enough to lay our heads upon the chest of your great ocean heart, vast, unfathomable, and hear it thudding, only love, only love, only fiery, fiery love, and joy. Thanks for joining with us today. Find episode notes and sign up to receive updates and a free pilgrim guide at asacredjourney.net slash podcast. And subscribe to Pilgrim Podcasts through Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a thing. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be grateful if you'd leave a review on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. When you leave a review, it helps other seekers just like you find Pilgrim Podcast. To find out how to leave a review, visit asacredjourney.net slash podcast. I'll be back again next month with another conversation on practicing pilgrimage at home and abroad. Until then, blessings on the journey. Mm-hmm.